Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And we're here to shoot the flames. That's right. It is April 2022, and we are still slouching towards Bethlehem, but we're all still here. That's right. Barely. Yes. <sighs> I mean, I have my two schnozberry white claws. I'm ready to talk, but... I've got my Diet Lipton Green Tea Citrus. <laughs> Equally as intoxicating, some might say. Hmm. Vitamins. Mm. None of those for me, thank you. Wait, there's vitamins in my white claw. <laughs> oh, no, there's not. Just kidding. <laughs> but it is essentially water. Fair enough. True. With a wee fistful of alcohol. That's right. I mean, I'm doing my part to, to better my body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we have to talk about? Well, finally, 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 <laughs> the review drought is over. Oh, my God. That's right. And we have two reviews. It's like an embarrassment of riches. I know. So the first one comes from Orion, three star, but he gave us a five star review (laughs) and he titled it Love. He says, they make horror reviews fun and funny. They dig deep when necessary and cut deep if necessary. The commentary makes you think and laugh and want to watch the movies they cover. Check them out. You won't be disappointed. Well, thank you. Thank you, Orion. That's what we set out to do. That's right. It's our mission statement. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chronic Witch says, I love this podcast. And says, Robert and Chris are awesome. They have great chemistry, so their conversations are never boring, and they bounce off each other with their wit and ideas so seamlessly. I really enjoy the variety of different content from deep dives to hot takes to monthly shooting the flames discussions about movie news and more. I also appreciate the perspective they bring in exploring all of the elements of the movie, such as cinematography or the, or the film score. I have learned a lot since listening, and you should give them a listen. Well, thank you, Chronic Witch. Yes, thank you. Is your name Chronic Witch because you're oftentimes a witch or because you smoke pot? <laughs> Either way, I'm really happy about or it. Or both. I like your screen name. Yes. That's good. And thank you for the reviews. Mm-hmm. We love getting reviews, guys. And like we said, there had been a dearth of them for many, many months. And uh, so if you want to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, head over there and do it. And we'll read it on our next Shooting the Flames. Sounds like the title of a memoir. The Chronic Witch. The Chronic Witch? (laughs) I'll write it. Instead of like an itch? (laughs) Both of those sound like good movies. (laughs) The Chronic Itch. (laughs) Do you want to get into some comments? Oh, hell yeah. So we have quite a few comments. And the first batch of them are going to come from our Hellraiser episodes, which we did back in February. And the first one comes from Bennett over on Patreon. And he says, I wonder if you guys are aware that every Hellraiser sequel past Hellbound was owned by Dimension Films, a la Miramax and the Weinsteins. I don't plan on watching any Hellraiser past Bloodline, especially after reading that they were all straight to video pieces of schlock in which the Weinsteins merely took existing screenplays that had nothing to do with the series and had them rewritten with Pinhead injected into them. I knew Harvey was into making quick bucks here and there, but this sounds like sacrilege even by the standards of hell. Here, here. Yeah, I still haven't watched any of the other movies. And as time goes by, it seems more and more likely that I shan't be watching any of those sequels. So, I don't know. Yeah, well, Bennett went on to say, I hate to bring up Hellraiser 3 again, but something else crossed my mind. I forget if you guys are Trekkies or not, but looking back at Star Trek First Contact, the movie where the Borg are a major makeover, as well as a dominatrix villainess and the Borg Queen, played by Alice Creek, 
It seems undeniable that the makeup team took cues from the Cenobites. Upon watching Hellraiser 3, the Cenobites looked very Borg-like to me, especially the one with the CDs in his head. Even though this film came out a few years before that Star Trek movie entry, the fact that Terry Farrell, the lead Hellraiser in Hellraiser 3, was also a cast member on Star Trek Deep Space Nine was even more disorienting to me. I didn't know that. Yeah, she was a she was a series regular for the first like three or four seasons. Um, but she she played Dax, I guess. And then uh, I, I want to say the original Borg might have been around the same time as Hellraiser 3 because I think they were like a season one or a season two thing in Next Generation. That was like 88, 80, uh, 88, 89, 90, somewhere around there. And so they could have taken cues immediately, not just for that movie, because the Borg looked the same, really. They're just like higher yeah. tech and higher budget, right? It's the Borg queen. And I remember looking at the designs because I'm a Trekkie. Uh, or somewhat of one, I guess. And I remember really liking that movie when it came out because I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really cool. It was like the most horror-adjacent Star Trek had ever been with that Borg Queen because I think I made you watch that movie. I did. And uh, it's one of the best of the franchise. But uh, it was a really, really good like horror-adjacent main villain, right? Right up there with like Pinhead or something. Like She's pretty iconic, especially her entrance. But they went back to the original designs uh, of Giger for that. Right. They didn't necessarily go back to the Cenobites, but all of the references they were doing, they were looking at Giger and stuff like that from like Alien. Well, and I'm sure that when they were designing the Cenobites, Giger was in mind. I mean, I think that he's pretty influential. As Could have been, but they're they're much more like, you know, if the undead Matrix, you know what I mean? Yeah. Versus and really about like S&M versus like Giger didn't have like the pain thing going on, right? It was all about sexual, biosexual technology, mm-hmm. right? And integration of sex technology and biology. And essentially that's the Borg queen, that right? Is, well, that's Borg all over, isn't it? Yeah, in, in a bit, but like the sleek sex, psychosexual design of the Borg queen, you wouldn't see psychosexual at all in the normal like Borg drone or whatever, right? Those are just like walking black cyborgs. I will say that I really enjoyed First Contact when I watched it. So it's good. It's like my second favorite. The line shall be drawn. Yeah, this far, no further. I mean, it's no voyage home, <laughs> but it's it's good. Yeah, I mean, if you're into and, that sort of thing, and it was it was very horrible. Into whales. I'm not a lesbian, so I'm not into whale watching. But you just have to go hunt that whale, <laughs> Melville style. Alfred Woodard, <laughs> Doctor Joe. <laughs> Said, really awesome commentary on Hellraiser 1 and 2. Of the two, Hellraiser 2 is my absolute favorite. Not sure if it's because I saw that one first when I was a kid, but it just resonates better for me. You're right. Hellraiser 2 is a total fluff film, but I think it feels better for me because it gives so much backstory that I was missing. I really like where y'all went with the commentary on the original. It is a film about women and their experiences. I will say, from that lens, it does seem a bit fairy tale-ish. Julia is the evil stepmom with angry intent. Kirstie is the princess that needs to save the world. Also reflecting on these two films, I don't see Julia as the antagonist. She feels more like a pawn, much like the Cenobites for Leviathan. I don't think she's evil at her core, but she does have desires, and that makes her susceptible to temptation. Anyway, great episodes. Love both of y'all's approach to these two classics. I would completely agree with that. You know, like, uh, although I would caveat to say that's her arc, right? Is that she is the victim in the first movie of circumstance and then kind of, you know, is in that situation where she's in hell and she just, you know, she, she finds her, um, she finds her agency, you know what I mean? Right. And she kind of takes charge of her own situation. She shan't be a victim any longer. No, no. 
But yeah, no, I get that. And I kind of like the fairy tale aspect of it. I don't think that we touched on that in the we did, episode. A did bit. we? Yeah, I mean, like, it makes a lot of sense, you know? Um, so yeah, I I still think the first one is better than the second, you know, and I'm gonna stand by that. Wasn't but. there also that quote that she says to I'm not your I'm not the evil stepmother, I'm the wicked bitch or something like that, or I'm the queen bitch or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I like that comment. We've also got a voicemail from Bennett. Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? Hello, Tired Queens. Just wanted to scare you with my pinhead impersonation. And it's the best line out of Hellraiser Bloodline, by the way. I just remember hearing, seeing that for the first time and going, no, bitch. No, you don't look like you give a shit about God. Anyway, just thought I'd do that for you. Bye. Well, thank you for that impersonation, Bennett. <clears throat> it's actually pretty good. Yeah. I agree. I can't do a pinhead. However, I'm going to start using that as a quote at work. I keep saying that on these things. Every time someone looks at me funny or says something, but like, do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? <laughs> or you. I know. Or you. <laughs> <laughs> From our Shooting the Flames episode in March, Bennett over on Patreon said, Robert is not the only surviving fan of the Oscars. I've been a loyal fan who's tuned in every year since I was 11 years old and have memorized every Best Picture winner from 1950 to the present. Don't know why that year. That's just as far as my memory will take me. However, the ceremony is nowhere near as popular as it used to be, and it will never return to its peak in the late 90s when over 55 million people tuned in to watch Titanic sweep up everything. But the Academy is clearly in denial and appears hell-bent on returning to the past, much like Trump supporters seem hell-bent on returning the country to a fictional past that mostly existed in 1950s sitcoms. But I digress. For all the stupid decisions you guys detailed on here, I may or may not even tune in this year, and that's an absolute first for me. With that and an impending world war in Europe, these are sad times indeed. P.S. The Oscars as Haley Joel Osment today. Really, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Haley Joel Osment. I love that analogy. I'm so proud of that. I mean, it was good. It's like it's like saying you love Haley Joel Osment today. <laughs> Forever seared into my brain. <clears throat> I mean, Bennett, I'm still going to watch the Oscars this year. In fact, I'm making Chris watch them with me. Yeah. Although actually, I feel like he probably would have watched them anyway. We're actually going to go to the Alamo Draft House in Dallas and watch them live. Mm-hmm. We might even walk the red carpet and win a prize. That's right. Hopefully. We might even talk to the news. So if you're in Dallas, you know, hope you saved your DVRs or something because uh, you're going to get this episode after. That's true. This is before the Oscars. So at least at the time of this recording, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I hope you watch it, Bennett. Don't give up on the Academy. Okay. Because if people start giving up, then they're not going to be on TV anymore. And then I'll have almost nothing to live for. (coughs) Don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I care that you have something to live for. I'll say that. Thank you. You're a good friend. (laughs) okay so at michael d stone from twitter said i cringe upon hearing yet another alien movie is in the works whether it ever should have been a franchise is one issue while the other is that said franchise ran out of creative steam a long time ago well if you were a patron (laughs) you would know well okay so you're a listener hopefully i'm guessing you're a listener you would know that we felt very very nearly the same way yes and then if you were a if you were on Patreon, you know that we actually revisited. We were trying to like end cap our alien franchise finally 
uh, by doing Prometheus and Covenant. And then we both actually ended up, after years of hating those movies, really liking them after rewatches. So we're probably going to deep dive them this coming year, you know, for for an actual finale uh, rather than just like a shorter episode on Patreon. And so uh, people seem to be backing us up on that for the most part. But we'll see what happens. And maybe maybe it's just because we watched some shitty alien movies right before that, uh, you know, but we actually we actually dug it. So I, I don't know if we're on the same side of the fence here. Yeah, I don't know. I think it all comes down to like hope. OK, yeah. As far as the new movies are concerned, like I, I really want that Neil Blomkamp, you know, Sigourney Weaver one. I've, I've said that a thousand times. That's probably never going to happen, though. I mean, yeah, and so I'm, I'm hoping that they go new places or do some interesting things, but don't just like dumb it down and make it popcorn. You know what I mean? I like, I like the Xenomorph as a villain and as an alien. I think it's good. You know what I mean? And I like Alien as a franchise. Even the movies that I don't really like, I like, I like it as a whole. And I hope that the movies that they are going to make in the future or TV series are going to be good. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I, I don't want to like discount it before I see it. You know what I mean? I don't know. The show is continuing the the theme of like the military industrial complex and capitalism and all of that from alien and aliens. Right. And the expendable nature of humans over capitalism and things like that. Uh, and it's a really good device to do that. Right. And it's, it worked in, in two different ways in two different excellent classic films, alien and aliens. Uh, they continue that for, for more or less in alien three and alien resurrection to varying extents and covenant Prometheus are very much their own things like man's relationship to themselves and God and their history and things like that is a little bit more highfalutin and i'm fine with that i'd really actually like to see ridley scott finish that series finish his thought right yeah. put a coda on it you know <laughs> it's like the word, the word of the, of the season <laughs> <clears throat> and uh yeah but uh, you know other than that i don't know what what kind of independent alien film would work uh so separated from those two ideas from the idea of the original cast like sigourney versus separated from like where the show is going echoing the original movies about capitalism and military industrial complex and, and it like could that. go anywhere you know i just i mean i i, I tend to i tend to give things the benefit of the doubt you know before i see it so it's it's okay and plus it's fidi alvarez right so i mean like okay you know, I'll see what I'll see what he does with it. Why not? Yeah, and I remember that news item from I think like last month or a month before. Yeah. Um, what else did Fidi Alvarez done? I forgot. He did the reboot of Evil Dead. Oh yeah, that's right. And he did Don't Breathe, and he was the producer of the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. So he hasn't made a good movie yet. And these, they're giving him the franchise. Oh Great. my god! I have to come yeah. there and slap you about the face. <laughs> I really enjoyed that Evil Dead reboot. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. We'll, well see I will what slap you right back at, about the ear, nose, and throat because <laughs> it doesn't hold a candle to Sam Raimi. No, it's true. I mean, it's just a different kind of movie. You know what? That's a different discussion that we'll we'll put a pin in it. Slapping aside. <laughs> we'll slap later. Well, you know, we'll put down our hands. <laughs> Open you, fist. you ever really slap me in real life, I don't know if I'd be mad or like fucking laugh my ass off. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're a dramatic slap. No, I want I want a dramatic moment with you. I want you to slap me, and so I can be like, "You catch that check." <laughs> I think I'm more likely to like throw a drink. You get one of those, <laughs> and you just catch it. Well, that's like an invitation. <laughs> All right. Well, if I go on the news and I start bitching about the Green Knight at the Oscars on Sunday instead of talking about our podcast, that's when you can slap me. I can slap you, fucking mommy dearest style. Yeah. <laughs> my god i'm not one of your fans <laughs> i own 51 percent of this academy <laughs> oh uh, from our deep dive into land of the dead 
uh, at Michael D. Stone on Twitter said, my first reaction after leaving the theater was one of disappointment. It has steadily grown on me over the years. However, I still hate that cop-out ending, giving zombies a pass, saying they were defending themselves. I'm sorry, but what the fuck? Zombies are, and will, continue to be a major threat to all living humans. Any person killed by them afterwards should return from the grave to get their revenge. Lastly, Diary of the Dead and its subsequent sequel were, to put it nicely, fucking garbage, and a real embarrassing way to round out an illustrious career. Well, head on over to Patreon because we have released our final thoughts on that franchise with... Survival of the Dead. Yeah, Survival of the Dead. And so we actually liked it a little bit more than Diary of the Dead, so you might be surprised. So go over on Patreon and check that out. That's right. Also, Land of the Dead grew on you. Like a cancer? I know. Like a fungus? <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. John Luguizama will do that. Mm, those fucking pull-ups he was doing. He makes me grow. <laughs> <laughs> Show me on the doll where John Luguizamo touched you. <clears throat> Please. So, <laughs> at Michael D. Stone from Twitter again said, I have to say... I'm a little surprised you guys aren't covering The Return of the Living Dead, as it was a pseudo-sequel and even refers to Night of the Living Dead. But perhaps it deserves its own spotlight, as it's not only changed the zombie formula, but became a bigger pop culture influence than all of Romero's films combined. What? Um, No. uh, No. I'm going to say no. I I mean, like, the thing that pops into my head about, like, the pop culture moment from that is, like, brains, right? I mean, like, that really took effect, and people are still, like, brains. Yeah, but not like a zeitgeist, like like some colloquial pop culture references, but not influence on a genre like Night of the Living Dead or even Dawn of the Dead. So I think in some ways, or maybe we're just talking past each other, but I agree with what you're saying, but not maybe the way I took it. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I, I feel like Romero's movies had a much bigger influence on pop culture. And yeah, just keep in mind, everyone's valid to their opinions and likes and their and own nostalgia true. lenses. And, yeah. and, you know, it's okay to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> but also, I mean, like, I'm one of those people who's constantly, like, sucking Romero's cock. So it's fine. Except when we're talking about Diary of the Dead, <laughs> apparently. Or Land of the Dead. Or Land of the Dead. <laughs> I mean, really. Or half his movies, really. Yeah. Maybe it's just like first handful. No, I mean, there's, there's a lot of Romero movies that I love. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fine. But we'll come back to Romero another time. We're done with that franchise, though. And maybe, Michael, if you stay tuned a year from now in March, we might just be talking about Return of the Living Dead because Chris and I both really love that movie. We do. So it would we be a fun do. episode. We got an email from George. And he said, you both have talked about this on the show before. I'm not sure if you've already seen this, but if not, here's a link to the latest Golden Schmoes winners. He also says, on a side note, I've never seen Diary of the Dead, and the latest show definitely put the stamp on the fact that I never will. Ha ha. Fun episode, though. Let me pull these up. I want to look at these Golden Schmoes winners. I've got them up because I'm prepared. I mean, I have to just press the fucking button. Well, I mean, okay, so I didn't know this was a thing, and I, I do think someone at Joe Blow or somewhere is is going around Wikipedia and adding these to people's entries as some sort of like prestigious award. But it's the 20th anniversary, so started in 2002, right? And so, or or thereabout, I guess this is 20 years. 
but so far we've got favorite movies, Spider-Man, no way home, mm-hmm. best director, uh, Denis Villeneuve for Dune and most overrated movies. Don't look up <laughs> trippiest movie. These are interesting categories. Last night in Soho best horror was a quiet place too. interesting. Okay. Uh, best sci-fi Dune, uh, biggest disappointment was matrix resurrections. Ouch. Oof. Uh, best actor was Nicholas cage for pig. Okay, Supporting actor good. was William Dafoe for Spider-Man no way home. Okay. Odd. He did good. Uh, he's always good, though. Uh, breakthrough performance, Simu uh, Leo uh, for Shang-Chi. Coolest character was Andrew Garfield from Spider-Man. He's never cool. I don't know. I'm just not an Andrew Garfield fan. I he's like his performance. He's for an Oscar this year. Yeah, for Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. <laughs> for, based on the life of the... Jonathan Larson. Of the, the yeah, the, the playwright who did the shittiest play in the world and we're somehow making a movie about it. 525,600 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only good song in this thing. <laughs> in Golden Schmoes. <laughs> Most memorable scene was Spider-Man, the all the Spider-Man meet. And No Way Home, best line of the year was Father, Son, House of Gucci. Best music was Encanto. Interesting. Best trailer, Spider-Man. Why is best trailer in here? Best was Spider-Man. No way home. Okay. Best action sequence, three Spider-Man. Oh my God. Uh, favorite celebrity, Ryan Reynolds. Best supporting actor was Florence Pugh for Black Widow. Fucking well-deserved. I loved her performance in that. Best actress, Lady Gaga. What? Biggest surprise, Nobody, which is an amazing film. You need to see that. Yeah, I need to. Um, in that John Wick universe again. Mm-hmm. Um Best animated, The Mitchells vs. Machines won over Encanto somehow. Best comedy was The Suicide Squad, the new one, which was also surprisingly, shockingly good and very naughty. I mean, I do like a naughty comedy. (laughs) And most underrated movie, nobody... Oh, I already said that. Best screenplay, Spider-Man Away Home. And worst movie, Space Jam, A New Legacy. (laughs) The other nominees were F9, The Fast Saga, The Matrix Resurrections, Thunder Force, and Tom and Jerry. Space Jam won worst movie. I can't believe Matrix Resurrections was... I can see it being the most uh, disappointing, but not the worst. I I mean, I don't know. I haven't... This this award show really just fucking loved Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I think it's from all of the listeners or all of the people that... You know, it's basically a, a website where Joe Blow or whatever has this, this movie critic website. Yeah. And so it's basically all their followers vote. So it's yet another award show I'm going to have to follow every single year because we have been talking about the Golden Schmoes randomly on certain episodes. Right? Yeah, we're going to create episodes, our own. Right? And it's going to be on Patreon and only our patrons are going to be able to vote. <gasps> and we're going to create the nominees and they're going to vote and we're going to have our own Film Flamer Awards. The Flamies? Yes. Every January. We're going to do it. Oh, we should do it Oscar weekend. Just for like shits and giggles to show up the account. No, we pull too much traffic and the Oscars need all the help they can get. That's right. They really fucking do. Everyone has to watch. Even they though need this is their ones and twos that. of viewers. I know. God help them. <laughs> but thank you, George, for uh, sending us that link. So um, I'm glad that our listeners are keeping track of things and letting us know what's going on in the mm-hmm. world. So we've got some questions and comments that don't necessarily come from our episodes. And the first one comes from Kimberly in the form of a voicemail. So thank you, Kimberly. And here it is. Hey, guys, it's Kimberly. I'm going to get science nerd on you, so buckle up. Uh, Yes, dinosaurs are considered reptiles. They're at a sort of evolutionary crossroads between reptiles and birds. However, uh, most of the scientific, if not all of the scientific data uh, to date has shown that they were, in fact, uh, warm-blooded, or most of them were warm-blooded. So... Um, they could potentially 
bounce around in the snow uh, for a lot longer than, uh, you know, a modern reptile could. So um, anyway, uh, quick Google search and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, cut off this last part because I'm babbling because I haven't had my coffee yet. Daylight savings has me all fucked up. Okay. Bye. There's no way in hell I'm cutting that last part off. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was God gold. bless you, Kimberly. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't research the same thing, but I was like, aren't all reptiles cold-blooded? And so I researched that. And I'm like, nope, not – most of them are. The vast majority of them are, but some reptiles are considered warm-blooded. <sighs> and if dinosaurs were warm-blooded, then yes, she is correct. Oh, my God. Well, then I've been living a lie. Well, then when we watch this movie and they're like, we got to get them out of the snow, we're going to be like – Idiots. I know. <laughs> Stupid paleontologist. I don't just call, call Kimberly. You show up in that movie and school them. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for taking us to school, Kimberly, because I have always thought that all reptiles were cold blooded. I feel like I was told that. Yeah. Yeah. Revisionist history. Mm hmm. We got a comment or a message from Rayborn over on Instagram, and she said, I'm a big lover of all things spooky, and since I found out about you guys, you have been my go-to for horror podcasts. Thanks for all you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This is the first time she's commented? Yes. She's a new listener. Welcome, Rayborn. Why do I think it's a she? Uh, it's on Instagram. There's a picture. She looks female presenting, so oh. I'm going to call her she. Okay. Well, at Dropdan from Twitter said, hey, new listener here. If you ever listened, review Triangle and Coherence, two great thrillers. I would say more, but it would spoil the plots, honestly. I've heard of Coherence. You watched Coherence. Oh, shit. Oh, was that the, like, loop-de-doo mm-hmm. movie? The different, I'll like... I'll let you know what I'm talking about. When you say loop-de-doo? <laughs> the dinner party loop to do Yes, that's exactly what it is. It could have been called that. Coherence, colon, the dinner party loop to do Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, we need to, like, do a pairing of that with... Um, the other dinner party movie. I think we already covered it. Invitation. <laughs> Invitation. We did. <laughs> <laughs> so many good movies. I don't know. I have heard so many good things about Triangle. I've just never seen it. I haven't even heard of it. It has Melissa George, and I like her a lot. I've heard of Pie. Oh, Pie sucks. But Triangle is kind of like a pie. <laughs> but a, apparently a much better movie. I was I just thinking know. of shapes and, mm-hmm. you know, math describing shapes. I don't know. In Trivial Pursuit, you know. I do want to see Triangle. So, <clears throat> at Drop Dan, I mean... Is it about the the Bohemian Triangle or whatever the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's where I want to live. <laughs> Is that like Rent? The Rent's the Bohemian Triangle? <laughs> All those artists living in some sort of loop-de-doo? <laughs> <laughs> that's the wrong use of loop-de-loop. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, we could possibly do an episode on Coherence. I think Chris and I both liked that movie. I mean, like, I it's a little science-y for me, I guess. But, I mean, Kimberly probably knows more about it than I do. It's not science-y. Well, they were talking about, like, dimensions and physics and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know. It's no more science-y than fucking Doctor Strange. Isn't that science-y? No, it's magic-y. <laughs> oh, okay. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Doctor. Oh, I have seen Doctor. <laughs> and you want to see the one with the multiverse of madness? I was thinking Doctor Who. Just kidding. That one must be sciencey because it's British. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, Triangle. It's real high on my list. <laughs> it's <just> sciencey. <laughs> also, welcome to the family. I dropped it. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> so Doctor Joe said, "Have you all seen the killing of the sacred deer? And can we do an episode on this one?" 
LOL. Also, I've heard you discuss Giallo films. I've Googled and kind of got an idea, but any recommendations? Honestly, go back and watch Suspiria. Yeah, Suspiria is great. Right? And that was our second film that we ever uh, deep dove. Mm-hmm. It's a little shaky as far as the recording, uh, but we do, I think we went back and, and based on one of our listeners telling us that we should, we went back and said, hey, this is how we sound now. Please expect better things. But this is like our second recording. And it was based on Suspiria. Um, so I definitely watched that and uh, and come back. And we're talking about the original Suspiria. Yes. Right. I think 1977 or something like that. Around that, or maybe earlier than that. Um, my favorite Giallo film is something that I saw recently, and it's called The Red Queen Kills Seven Times. Like, it's just... Oh, when you first saw that, I thought you said it was okay. No, I loved that movie oh. when I watched it. I thought it was fantastic. Maybe that's why you recommended it to me. Yes. Maybe that's why it's on my list. It's, maybe. <laughs> it makes more sense. It's uh, so good. Yeah, but I've heard of The Killing of the Sacred Deer, and I keep hearing more and more things about it. Is that more modern film, or is it like having a resurgence? No, I mean, it, it's it was a, it's a couple years old, maybe like five years old. I haven't seen it either, and I didn't even know that it was a horror movie until after it came out. Maybe it's more horror adjacent. I, 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 I didn't. I thought it was like a, a fucking drama based on that title. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, that's a little bit more like literal. And I saw like a little clip and I was like, oh, shit, this is like straight up our alley. I really want to see this movie. I have not seen it yet. <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure that whenever we finally get around to watching The Killing of a Sacred Deer, we'll probably be adding that to our docket at some point because it seemed like something that Chris and I would both really enjoy. In fact, I'm going to add it to my thing right now because if I don't, I'm going to completely forget about it. We could just watch it tonight. <sighs> we have too many other things to watch. We have gay things to watch. <laughs> It could be gay. We need to see Deer Hunter and Killing of the Sacred Deer. At the same time. Uh, Dr. Joe also says, Hey, Film Flamers. I need to take a moment to say that we are at a anniversary. It was around this time last year I started listening. And then in May, I got comfortable and started bombarding you with comments and memes. Thank you for all the deep dives and all the stuff you do. Well, thank you, Dr. Joe. Yes, thank you. He's a patron, too. So, one of the closest members of our family. I'd like to ask what kind of doctor he is. Me, too. He's a flautist, apparently. He's I a think flautist. It's, it's yeah. his handle on uh, Twitter. is like pro-flautist or something like that. Oh. Okay. We got a review recently from a pro-flautist. It's also him. Maybe that's what's it. Okay. Dr. Joe. Okay. He knows things about music. I know that. Maybe he's a doctor of music. Maybe. Is that what you're putting down? Tell us, Dr. Joe. What are you a doctor of? Hmm, maybe he's a proctologist. Maybe. Or is he more like a Dr. Giggles type of doctor? <laughs> Aren't they one and the same? Isn't every proctologist more a Dr. Giggles? More of a Giggles? Dr. Strange. Hmm. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a uh, one last message, and this is from an anonymous person. And it says, hey, guys, I just wanted to let you know that you have really helped keep my spirits up during a really difficult time. I'm in the middle of a separation, which is badly needed for both of us, but hard nonetheless, as a lot of pent up hurt and resentment come to the surface. When I don't think I could feel any lower, you guys are one of my go-tos. You are so sweet to your listeners, and you've made me snort laugh on more than one occasion. Oh, that almost made me cry a little bit. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, like anytime that someone tells us that, you know, we sort of help them in a in a rough patch, like it it makes me happy because like as listeners, like the same, like sometimes randomly we'll get an email or a voicemail or a comment that's so funny and uplifting. It even helps me through like my normal day. Like a podcast is just something that Chris and I do for fun. Right. Yeah. And we really enjoy doing it, but our, our listeners really have 
become like a forefront in this. And we really appreciate all of you guys. I want to say that too, you know, because like thinking about it, you know, when we first started, we just wanted to like talk about horror movies, have a reason, an organized time to do that and, and, and see if anyone else might be interested, you know, and then we just got really into it. And then over time, it's really become less about us and more about you guys. Yeah. And you know, that's just kind of evolved over time and maybe that's the way it should have always been, but so we kind of had to go through that discovery. So thank you everyone that listens to us and appreciates what we try and do. And we appreciate you. And we hope that we bring any kind of joy to your life. That's right. And always, always, it makes me happy when people say we're funny. So yeah, it's validating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no new patrons. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We don't have any new patrons this month, but we have to shout out our patrons who are at the Film Flamer tier or higher. And they are Ben, Dr. Joe, Kimberly, Kyle, Lisa, Nikki, Penelope, and Wall Stretch. But especially Kimberly. (laughs) Horror News. Boy, howdy, do we have some news for you today? That's right. Why don't you kick it off with your sissy shit? Sissy shit? <laughs> Fuck you. We have some news from the legitimate theater. Theater. That's how you're supposed <laughs> theater. to Theater. So, first up, the making of Jaws musical Bruce is playing an extended run in Seattle. So, this is a musical about how Steven Spielberg is trying to get a little movie made, and it turns into a worldwide phenomenon. And oh, so it's yeah, the musical about the making of, of Jaws. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think we've talked about this before. Thank you for refreshing my drink. Mm-hmm. And if any of you want to read the stories of any, about any of the items from our news, you can look at the show notes and click on those links. I'm sure dozens of you will be clicking on that link to find out more about this <laughs> shitty musical. I kind of feel like we had to make a pilgrimage to Seattle, though, and see this, though. <laughs> yeah. I need to make a pr- pilgrimage to Seattle anyway, so. Yeah, I'd like to. I've never been. Matt wants to go. Okay. See his family. Well, let's do it. He can see his family. And we can go see Jaws. But wait, there's more. There's also going to be a stage production of The Shining. Non-musical. This is just a straight-up play. Uh, But it's playing in London, and later it will be coming to Broadway. We're going to have to go to New York. That's right. We have a pilgrimage to New York to see Broadway. To both of our old stomping grounds. That's right. I do miss New York. I've not been back since then. We have patrons in New York, New York! But even more exciting than that, well, I don't know if exciting is the right word. Not exciting. Ben Stiller is in talks to play Jack Torrance. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) My God. (laughs) I mean, I can see it. I can see him as Danny Torrance before I can see him as Jack Torrance. He has those dramatic roles sometimes. See what I mean? I don't know. Does he? Yeah. I can't think of one right now. He's had some. Mm. I don't know. In real horror news. <laughs> okay. Christina Ricci is actually joining the cast of Wednesday. It's that horror news. They got their shit together. What? I know. You're right. <laughs> but she's not playing Wednesday. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm hoping for the best. 
Oh, she's not playing Wednesday. I want Harmony to come back. I want <laughs> Richie I mean, and Harmony to come back. I just want that to be a series, really. I don't know what she's going to be. If she's going to be like extended family. I mean, Gwendolyn fucking Christie is in this. That's you know? true. So she could be extended family in some other role, or she might be like an exact opposite of Wednesday from the first to kind of mm-hmm. give her kind of a bookend, you know, have her, that. yeah, have her play the the person at summer camp that's trying to get everyone <laughs> to smile. I know because she ironically has such a fucking expressive face as we see in a trailer coming up. But um, yeah, it's going to have Jenna Ortega, as we mentioned, she was just in Scream mm-hmm. uh, in the title role alongside Catherine Zeta-Jones and Louis Guzman as uh, Wednesday's parents, Morticia and Gomez. Uh, and like I said, it casts uh, Gwendolyn Christie as well. And I think she's playing like a principal of the school or something. Like I that. don't know, but she's also playing Lucifer in the new Sandman show. <laughs> oh my God. Which is awesome. I... Well, and this is also uh, Tim Burton, right? Yeah. Yes, Tim Burton's doing an Adams Family thing, and finally they got Christina Ricci. I don't know what I think that we've been talking about this show since they announced it on our horror news segment, right? And we have always wished that they would add Christina Ricci, so I'm glad they did. You know, I think we just should have wished more specifically. (laughs) Yeah, and they, they do it right, because they take her back just to, like, flaunt her in front of the camera. You know, if she doesn't have something like this show has already been shot, you know what I mean? Like, how are they announcing this now? It feels like it's going to be a cameo in this case, like an afterthought. And, you know, I'm not for appeasement. I do like Jenna Ortega, though. Like, she's sort of growing on me, much like Land of the Dead is growing on Michael. Right. (laughs) I really I really enjoy Jenna Ortega in Scream. I really, really want to go see X. I haven't seen it yet, but I mean, she's in that. So, I mean, like. Yeah, I don't know. So we'll see. I mean, like, I'm probably more likely to watch this show now that they've mentioned that she's going to be in it at some point. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But some more Netflix news. Uh, they've canceled Archive 81 after only one season, despite that show hitting its top 10. Mark this on your calendars, everyone, because I feel like this is kind of the end of Netflix, right? It's had its height. Mm-hmm. You know, but everyone's already kind of templated it and kind of done their own thing. HBO Max is kicked off. Disney Plus is kicked off. Even Paramount fucking Plus is doing really well. Yeah. A lot of these things are like taking that template and then running with it and making it better in some ways. And you know what? Netflix is now famous for canceling fan favorite shows in, like this one. A lot of people were talking about it. A lot of people were kind of meh by the end of it, but it was in the top 10. You know what I mean? And I don't know what, what that means and what their math or algorithm is, but they don't let shows breathe. They don't let it, them quote unquote, uh, grow their own, grow their beards. You know what I mean? And uh, it's certainly a choice to cancel everyone's favorite shows after one season, raise prices, and then go and dock people for sharing passwords. Yeah, that's right. I certainly a fucking choice with Netflix, right? Currently. And so mark it on your calendars. Like this is the beginning of the end for them. I will say though, I mean, like they they have a really good shot at winning the Best Picture Oscar this year. I mean, obviously, by the time this episode comes out, we will have known if that's true or not. But I feel like Netflix is is putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to things like Power of the Dog and. And so forth like yeah but they're moving more into movies territory than like shows i almost wonder like if they're they really went quantity over quality i think yeah. in some cases kind of sticking things to the wall and seeing what throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks but mm. and i don't mean this is going to be the end of netflix you know as a business right it's going to be around but i mean like the height and singularity of netflix this is it right they're no longer alone uh there's other people competing and there's other people kind of doing it better yeah. I mean, if you look at like just the Oscar nominees alone this year, we also have Apple Plus, 
right? So I mean, like streaming is is here to stay, yeah. right? And I, I'm I'm glad for what they did, like building this kind of industry and letting other people like create their own subscription package or whatever. But you're right. I feel like Netflix is on the decline. Yeah, it's no longer the pinnacle of the streaming community. It's going to be one of the crowd from here yeah. on out. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's what that's what they're doing. And from this show specifically, I mean, like I watched it, and you're right. Like by the end, of, I, I it started that very promisingly, and by the end of it, I was kind of meh. And I don't really see where this show could have gone really past that final episode. So I'm not surprised that it's being canceled. You know? Yeah. I really wish they would stop calling things like season one. If it's going to be a limited series, just call it a limited series and be done with it. For you know? Real. Don't get people's expectations. Up. And they do that. I think they have like mislabeling a lot on Netflix. Yeah, I think they do. Because I've seen that a few times. And then now they're like splitting seasons in half sometimes. Like they did that with Grace and Frankie, mm-hmm. uh, which I watch personally. And they're doing that again with this next news item. So continuing to prove my own point wrong, Stranger Things season four will lean much more into horror this season as the kids are kind of grown, growing up and will be split into two volumes, volume one on May 27th and followed by uh, volume two on June 1st or sorry, July 1st. So there's going to be like a month break or so or two uh, between the two halves. But obviously as the kids get older, you know, they're able to get more and more into horror. And so they said like they're leaning a lot more into it. And every season has been horror, like not even adjacent. There's been a lot of horror in each season and it's gotten progressively more horror. And so if they're actually going out and marketing that it's more horror, then I'm totally on board. And I have to say, again, Stranger Stranger Things season one was amazing. Stranger Things season two was eh. But season three was a huge return to form and I loved it. And you still need to watch it. And I'm a little I'm, behind. Yeah. I haven't seen season two. Yeah. And you haven't seen season two of The Boys either, which oh, is yeah. also another. I thought you were going to pick shame with me with that one later on in this episode, but I guess you can just shame me two times. I am going to cut you down to size. I have a boner to pick with you. Just find a bell and follow me around. Be like, shame, shame, shame the whole time. I've got to get you in front of a television. <laughs> I'm always in front of a television. I'm just not watching the things you tell me to. <laughs> just watching The Simpsons <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> Coming soon. So we have a shit ton of trailers to talk about. Yes, we do. And the, the first shit ton is one. seven. Seven. Seven is the six. Actually, we're <laughs> <laughs> dropping my class. We need Kimberly to come back at school with some math too. Uh, so the first trailer is one that we talked about last month, but that was just a teaser. This one's the full trailer, and it's for men. Yeah, and they were really keeping it close to the chest with that first teaser. Like, I have no idea what it was about. This one's yeah. a lot more clear, and I love seeing Roy, uh, Rory Kinnear again because he was amazing on Penny Dreadful. And he plays basically every role of a man in this fucking movie. Yes. And I love it, and I'm here for it, and I can't wait to see it. And I love Alex Garland, as everyone knows on this podcast. And, you know, Jesse Buckley's in it too, I guess. And yeah, it's coming out in May. Jesse Buckley. (laughs) In theaters in May. I am so ready to watch this movie too because we sat there and like pontificated about what it could possibly be about with that trailer, right? And we we got a little bit more an idea of it and it looks just really amazing and like trippy and it seems it seems very Alex Garland-y and I am just here for it. Oh, yeah. So. Although every Alex Garland film is very different. That's true. And this one feels especially different. It feels a lot more horror-y. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, all of his movies have like a twinge of sci-fi fantasy a little bit. And I'm sure this one does too. You know what I mean? But this one just looks full on horrific. And I feel like you and I are going to be there in the theaters in May watching this movie. Yeah. 
It'll be my first Alex Garlic film in a theater, I think. Directed. Really? Directed. I didn't see Ex Machina or Annihilation in the theater. Uh, but if you count the ones that he wrote. That he wrote. I saw Sunshine in the theater. I didn't. Yeah. Well. So I'm excited. We much. can't all be perfect. No, I'm certainly not. I haven't seen Stranger Things seasons two, three, or four. Well, speaking of pontificating, <laughs> there's a pontiff in the exorcism of God. <laughs> Does that work? Yes. Uh, and it'll be available to rent currently. <laughs> but I thought the trailer was actually looked kind of spooky. And there's some weird, like old people, like Muppety masks or whatever, and faces or whatever in this. And there's, there's like a weird, like uh crucified Jesus. That's like also kind of a cross, monster. Right? Like it yeah. seems a little edgy. Uh, and so I'm kind of here for it and it looks very popcorn horror, but you know, it looks like the nun on steroids or something, but I'm, it I'm does. Here. I mean, I, I mean, just that, that little scene of that guy standing, looking down the hallway and seeing like some sort of like Jesus dragging across, like through a church or wherever he was at. Was, it looked pretty was iconic. Really really. Potentially iconic. The one thing that made my eyes roll a little bit is the very, the very first moment of this trailer is the exorcist person, like standing under a fucking streetlight, looking up into a house with the window light streaming down. on Yeah. I was just like, fuck you. I mean, please stop stealing. If you're going to homage, do it a little bit more subtly than that. But man, they just are like, no, what's subtle. And just like bang that shit in the head. And I feel like we've seen other movies sort of do that thing too. I mean, if you're going to have a movie about exorcism, people feel like they have to have someone standing under a streetlight looking up (sighs) at a house. Fuck. Even James Wan just did that with, uh, You're right, but the the Conjuring Four. Yeah, it looked different enough, though. Like for people that weren't really familiar, uh, or maybe had only seen it once, they wouldn't know. But like we knew. Yeah, this was like straight up copy. Yes, he was wearing a fucking fedora. Even yeah, I mean please. like. I mean, there, there were enough things in this trailer to make me want to watch the movie. But I mean, like people people have got to stop with that. Yeah. <sighs> Next up on our list is a movie called The Cellar, which is going to be coming to Shudder in May and stars Alicia Cuthbert. Which I really loved in The Girl Next Door. Me too, but she's brunette now. Is she? Oh, yeah. I don't know. In this trailer. Whatever. Those cheekbones are still there. They are. This movie looks creepy. Well, Alicia Cuthbert could get it. Ooh. Oh. She's one of my she's one of my straight passes. Wow. I don't know why. Something I don't know that I have one. I just have women I want to be friends with. <laughs> Meryl? Meryl. Taylor. Sigourney. Sigourney. Well, Sigourney could do whatever she fucking wanted with me. That's right. I mean, well, it's not would... because I'm sexually attracted to her. It's because I'm her slave. That's right. I would let her. She's allowed. <laughs> anyway, The Cellar is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> about a cellar. And that's about it. It's a haunted cellar or something. Uh, dimensions. It seems kind of like the void, but in a cellar, a haunted house version of the void. I don't. Yeah, recognize. like these people. Get a little Cthulhu-y, Lovecraftian, a little bit maybe. Hopefully, hopefully, we're we're guessing. I saw a couple of clips in there that look promising in that regard, but it is straight to VOD, meaning Shutter. It's a Shutter. Ex- I don't know if it's a Shutter exclusive, but yeah, it's, Shutter is distributing it. But and Shutter doesn't. I mean, if they if they pick a movie to run, it's it's usually not terrible. You yeah. know what I mean. So, but like a family is like moved into this old house, and the girl's afraid of the cellar, and she goes in the cellar, and then she disappears, and then like there's crazy like signs on the wall. Well, um, speaking of haunted houses where kids are going where they shouldn't, and the family is having problems moving into a house, let's talk about Monstrous with Katrina Ricci, <laughs> video on demand in May. 
I mean, I'm probably more apt to watch this one than I am the seller. So Trini Ricci. Yes, that's exactly why. It seems modern times. Like everyone's wearing like modern clothes except for her. Maybe that was just like my impression from the trailer, a false impression, but it seems like she's wearing like 50s dresses and then everyone else is like wearing normal stuff. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I think it squarely takes place in that time period. Okay, I hope so. But it does seem kind of, I don't know, Baba Dookie. Yeah, it does. I mean, in a sense that there's a single mom and an annoying child. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See the pretty lady in the water? That lady is not fucking pretty. She is hideous. <laughs> That's right. This child needs to be checked. <laughs> Go to her. No. Well, then she'll just come to you. I'm like, don't it's you child blind. Like I know. <laughs> she never sleeps. I don't know. I mean, I will watch Christina Ricci in anything, including the fucking Wednesday show that I wasn't going to watch, but now I will. And I'll certainly watch this movie, too, because I'm praying for a cameo. (laughs) I'm praying for like two cameos from her. At least give her a two episode arc. Christ. (laughs) But this movie looks good. I mean, I I kind of like that subgenre of horror of like mother in peril, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's okay. Um, coming up on Hulu, there's a series starring Jessica Biel called Candy, and it seems to be based on some sort of true crime story. Yeah, I thought you for sure you would be familiar. I mean, know. I mean, you're supposed to know just from Candy, but it really the vibe of it kind of reminds me of Itania. Yes, and even kind of the date and time of it, you know, so the setting, but the vibe that really does from the trailer does seem a little tongue in cheek a little bit. Yeah, well, it looks really good, honestly. I mean, it does. Out of out of all the trailers that we're talking about today, it's it's really high up on the list of things that I want to watch, like for sure. Jessica Biel has gotten so good in the last couple of years with some of the shows that she's been doing, and like her work is just really, really good. It's not where I saw her career going at all. So, I mean, right. God bless her. And I when, didn't even recognize her. No. And whenever there's a show coming out about some sort of like true crime thing that I don't know about, like that makes me very excited because I I feel like I know every fucking thing now. There was nary a horse tooth to be seen in that trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Jessica. Well, speaking of horses, uh, (laughs) Outer Range, which is an Amazon series, dropped their trailer. Uh, starring Josh Brolin, of course, uh, Thanos, my anus, <laughs> as well as from the Goonies and, you know, a variety of other things like No Country for Old Men yeah. and Lily Taylor from The Conjuring. Yay. Right? Uh, and Imogen, Imogen Poots. Imogen. Imogen Poots. Yay. And Noah Reed from Shit's Creek. That's right. And it's got an even bigger cast beyond that that you would recognize. Uh, I was actually part, I'm part of the Amazon First Watch folks mm-hmm. so i actually watched the first three episodes of this a couple months ago and gave my feedback and i have all their notes and stuff uh about you know what they're going to add as far as like special effects and descriptions of what they're going to do like for makeup and removing nose hair from factors <laughs> and stuff but they had like temporary soundtrack temporary music and all that stuff um and they asked all kinds of questions about it and uh all i can say is even without all the effects and and the permanent music and everything else it looks really good and it was so it's it's kind of like X Files, but a little bit more country, like a country version of X Files, but also kind of horror adjacent. I don't know. I mean, it looks excellent. This is a really good trailer. Oh, it's a really very good trailer. Yes, and it was a it's a, it does a very good job. Most of those scenes uh, are from the first three episodes, so I don't know what they're holding, but it's going to be like an eight to ten episode thing. I mean, there were some really intriguing imagery images in this trailer, right? Like buffaloes with arrows, like and then like stampeding buffaloes in a car and whatnot. And Noah Reed just looks kind of like crazy and sexy at the same fucking time. And I love Imogene Poots, and so I am totally here for this. 
gorgeous. Like yeah. it just looks really, really good. And I, I mean, I say that sometimes about like series and I never watch them. You know what I mean? So I'll probably let you watch it all the way through and then tell me if it's actually good. Well, I'm telling you it was very good. Right. Yeah. And there's some very, very tense moments between Josh Brolin and Imogene Poots. Oh, that's very, very worth it. Okay. And her character is super interesting. All She's right. kind of the mystery character. Great. I'm sold. Okay. I'm sold. Fine. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there is a trailer for a series that Chris got me to watch the first season for and has been hounding me to watch the second season ever since. And that is The Boys. That's right. And you it's, loved the first season. I did. I really did. The second season is just even more batshit. And you can see Nazis get pounded and Ooh. even more gore and violence and death and destruction, horror adjacency. And the third is just there's already like early word and whispers about how over the line it is and that people are going to be like complaining and there's going to be like some kerfuffles in the media about it. And and that's fine. That's I'm here for it. Give it to me. So, I mean, the trailer was pretty fucking gory. It's a red band trailer. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, have, mean, they have it as almost like a sound effect. Like, <clears throat> Here's another gore. Here's there's like four different people exploding that we're not going to actually give away the plot. <laughs> that tells you something. Yeah. Just people exploding in every single episode. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to the boys. I really liked the first season. You know what I mean? I just, I have to like sit down and just watch it and be ready for it. And also, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm not quite a binger. You know what I mean? So it takes me some time to finish things. Yeah. A couple of years. Yeah. Sometimes. start. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I get there eventually. Slow and steady wins the race. Isn't that an adage of some sort? Yeah, when, not when the race closed two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little behind. I, I'll fully admit. But the Simpsons, the Simpsons is so good. I have to keep watching it. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. I know, you're right. I have Disney Plus for that very reason. So, okay, I will step away from The Simpsons and I will watch things like Outer Range and The Boys and possibly Wednesday. Okay. Well, you can hold off on Wednesday. Yes, I shall. <laughs> that that possibly. I'll was. let you know about Wednesday. Okay. Thank you. Do that. All right. Well, that about wraps up this month's Shooting the Flames. We've given you all of your comments and questions and news and trailers, and we've beaten you over the head with our shitty senses of humor. So thank you for bearing with us, and uh, stay tuned, because next week we are talking about Death Becomes Her. Oh my god, I'm so ready for this month. That's right. Comedy month is here. Uh, And after Death Becomes Her, we're doing Drop Dead Gorgeous. Thank you, fucking God. Yes. And over on Patreon, we're going to be talking about Knights of Badassdom, so another horror-adjacent comedy movie. So, if you want to join the family over on Patreon, head to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers and do that. And... We want more comments and questions, guys. So head over to social media. You can find us at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or you can call our hotline. You can image our boots at 972-666-7733. Find my outer range. Jesus. All right, Chris, I think it's time for us to go watch Death Becomes Her and then have some... Oh, I can't wait. Sweet Sweet dreams. Now a warning. Now a warning? (laughs) (laughs) We couldn't even wait for the fucking episode. This episode has to be called Shooting the Flames Segways. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> they were perfect all the way through it. <laughs> Speaking of horses. 